Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 10, Episode 5. And although I'm doing this intro solo, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the fabulous Ellie Murphy, Marketing and Engagement Manager with Engage for Good, is joining me as co-pilot on this episode today. I'd also like to remind you, kind listener, that Cause Talk Radio is a listener-supported podcast. So to help us ensure we can continue to put helpful social impact content into the world each week, please consider joining our brand new inner circle and sign up to be a Cause Crusader. For just $5 a month, you'll get access to episodes a full week early, the ability to view live streams of our guest recordings, and other cool stuff along the way. So to join us, head over to truestory.fm forward slash cause crusaders and get signed up today. In today's episode, Allie and I chat with Kyle Lukianic, president of Good Returns. Part of the Good Returns model is very unique in that they ask corporations to provide loans to worthy causes, not donations. In this episode, Kyle shares how Good Returns got started, why they embrace this model, and how it's going so far. So let's dive into this fascinating conversation with Good Returns' Kyle Lukianic. Well, hello, Kyle, and welcome to Cause Talk Radio. Hey, Megan. Hey, Allie. It is great to see you both on this Monday morning. I know. it's. Um, I feel like, kind of like we're cheating because we can see you, but nobody else can. So too bad for all of you because we get to see okay. Kyle's happy face today. Well, Kyle, would you just start us off by telling us a little bit about your background and maybe how you got interested in social enterprise since that seems to be your focus now? Sure. I'd love to do that. And I'll try to skip over the boring stuff as much (laughs) as I can, because my career started in finance and was fortunate enough. um, If you've ever seen those movies where people are screaming and yelling in the pit, trading stock options and things like that, that's where, well, I started, my internships were doing that. So I was clerking on the Chicago Board of Trade and, uh, realized maybe that's not the best place uh, for me to start my career. So was fortunate enough to start off with a big bank, uh, Bank of America. I'm sure you've heard of it. And had a great opportunity to rotate around to different parts of the bank. Um, But while I was there, I went through what I call my quarter life crisis. And on a trip back to my home here in Dallas, Texas, I picked up a great magazine called the Stanford Social Innovation Review and spent the three-hour flight kind of piecing through it. And it just opened my eyes up to this whole concept of how business and finance can be used to have an impact in the world. And as soon as my plane landed, I said, I need to start getting involved and start exploring these things. And so I volunteered with a microfinance group here in Dallas and ended up being on their board, which is where I met my current business partners. And we were just off to the races. I spent my nights and weekends 
uh, brainstorming with them and often, you know, over a glass of whiskey and over a whiteboard and just coming up with ideas and concepts and all based around this idea of how do we mobilize more capital for good in the world. You started Good Return Cycle Program in 2014 with your business partner. Would you give us a basic primer on your business model? It's not one I've heard of before. Absolutely. And and just to kind of put this in context with everything, the cycle program is just a piece of what we do. I like to say that at Good Returns, we're really focused on mobilizing previously inaccessible money for good. And we want to make sure that that money that does get mobilized for doing good in the world can stay mobilized and continue to be recycled over and over again. Um, and some, sometimes that looks like the cycle program, which is what we'll be talking about today. But we also do things helping nonprofits uncover business models and also building opportunities for impact investors to innovatively deploy their capital for good in the world. So um, we, we like to operate in that space of using money to do good in the world, but then also helping the agents of impact that are already out there be more successful. And we use finance to do that. So for the cycle program specifically, we're really focused on corporations. And what we set out to do was create a way to enable corporations to facilitate the role of impact lender. So we saw corporations out there that had a lot of money or cash that um, necessarily couldn't necessarily be used just as a donation. And so we wanted to see if there were ways that we could create um, a new way for them to use that capital. And being a lender was a really interesting solution to that. And so we built a program around that. And we also built a really cool part of it, which is called the guarantee, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later. But the idea of could we help corporations lend to organizations that had an underlying business model, but were really focused on having an impact in their community. And when that capital comes back, then the company can do a lot of unique things with it, um, including recycling it to other organizations in their community. It's so interesting. Um, I'm glad that you kind of gave us that pr- the little bit of background about good returns, just because I was thinking it was just the cycle program. I don't know about you, Ali, but um, that's kind of what I what I was thinking. Because I'd also like to point out that um, this caught my interest because of an article in SSIR, which is like that's come full circle for you. Like you had this epiphany on a plane, and you read the Social Impact Review, and then you end up being written up in that publication. So that's a pretty amazing you know, kind of self-fulfilling prophecy there. So I love that. Um, well, speaking of the cycling, pro- the cycle program, can you talk a, a little bit about who you're lending to? Are you just lending to nonprofits? Do you lend to social enterprises? Is this U.S.-based? Is it abroad? Like, who who's getting this money? One thing that I love about a loan versus a don- donation, which our cycle program is is specifically lending capital, mm-hmm. is that we have the flexibility to lend to a nonprofit or a for-profit. And so that opens up a whole different population of what we like to call impact organizations that we get to support. So we actually don't differentiate between nonprofit and for-profit. To us, that's kind of just a tax classification that the IRS puts on an organization. We're really focused on the bottom line impact. And both types of organizations, for-profit and nonprofit, can use loan capital or debt to grow. Uh, What we do look for specifically is an underlying earned revenue model. So we are very specific in the types of organizations that we support. We need to see a sort of business model where they're generating revenue different from just donations and grants. 
And that enables us to feel comfortable with them using loan capital and being able to repay that. But more importantly, being able to use that capital to have a growing impact. So we do support both. And as far as as local or, or domestic and international, we actually started out working with international organizations almost exclusively. And that's largely directed by the companies that we partner with. So most companies have a specific cause area or geographical location that they want to focus on. And we like to build our impact portfolios around that criteria. So we had a company that we worked with previously. Uh, I believe they were mentioned in the Stanford Social Innovation Review article. It's called Soap Hope. And they were primarily focused on um, international. And so working with women's empowerment groups internationally. And so we use the cycle program for them to lend actually 100% of their profits each year into interest-free loans with international organizations in the Dominican Republic. In India, we did a small domestic component. Um, but you know, international has its own set of complexities Absolutely. as well, especially when you're dealing with loan capital uh, instead of just grants. Um, and, and, and as far as the most recent Oryx cycle, that was 100% domestic, actually, mostly here in North Texas. And that was, again, at the direction of Oryx itself. They wanted to focus on the areas where they're working and where their employees are and kind of in their backyard. And that happened to be here in North Texas. And so we found organizations that fit our criteria as good returns, but also fit their criteria from an impact perspective. So just to clarify, when you're talking about that they need to have a revenue model, are you talking specifically that they need to have a product or can it be a service or what is your criteria? It can be both. And I'll, I'll, I'll give two examples. We worked with an organization called Acola Project, and they produce a product. So they are making high-end jewelry. They're in pretty much every major department store around the country. But their sole purpose is around impact. They're providing meaningful employment opportunities um, for at-risk women here in Dallas, Texas, but also in Uganda. And they're teaching the women how to make this jewelry, um, paying them a living wage. And then those pieces of jewelry get sold to the large retailers who then sell it. And as they grow, they get to employ more of these women. And their ultimate goal is to then create a a transition period for these women to go into other careers in retail and things like that. So it's a workforce development piece. That's more so around a product. Um, Miles of Freedom, another group that we supported, they work primarily with individuals um, that experienced incarceration. And so they're coming out of the prison system. And one of the big challenges that they saw with that community was there weren't many opportunities for meaningful employment. And so they started up a lawn care service, being able to provide a stipend to individuals, teach them, you know, how to do some of these things that come into a lawn care service, like building a schedule, project management, um, client services, things like that. But they sell a service to their community. And both of those types of models can be uh, beneficiaries of a good return cycle. And so they can use that capital to kind of finance the growth of those and um, save donations or grants. They can go to other sort of capital expenses. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take just one moment out of our episode today to thank you for your support and for being a valued listener of Cause Talk Radio. As you know, Cause Talk Radio is a listener-supported podcast, and we need your continued support to continue releasing great content each week. 
I'm excited to share we have a brand new opportunity to become part of our inner circle. We're calling it the Cause Crusaders. For just $5 a month, you'll get access to episodes a full week early in your own personal podcast feed, the ability to view live streams of our guest recordings, and some other special bonuses along the way. So head over to truestory.fm forward slash cause crusaders and get signed up today. One thing I found interesting about your model is that you have, as you mentioned earlier, this funded guarantee structure. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is and why you decided to go that route? Absolutely. And and it, it was an idea. I just got a, off a call with someone and we were talking about this, this ability to kind of be dreamers and to think of doing things differently and doing things in an exciting way. And this was one of our ideas. Actually, in some of our conversations with Oryx, they said, hey, as, as a company, you know, we want to be able to use capital that isn't necessarily philanthropic. Even though we were partnering with the Oryx Foundation primarily, they wanted to explore ways to use their capital reserves for this type of program. And so because of that, they needed to have a different type of risk profile. And in this case, there really wasn't much room for risk because they were using capital that they really couldn't take the risk of not having come back. And so they said, you know, we we love this idea of maybe a paper guarantee or an unfunded guarantee. But at the end of the day, that's really going to have to be charitable from us because we can't really count on those dollars um, in the event that these organizations don't repay, that we could get those dollars back reasonably if we're having to go collect from all these different places? Or what if one of the organizations that's providing the guarantee is no longer around? What if you guys are no longer around? You know, all these different questions. And so we went to an asset manager here in Dallas, an SEC registered fund manager, and said, we have this idea of building a funded guarantee fund. And it enables our network of impact investors and foundations to put capital into it. And it stays invested in the market the entire time that it serves as guarantee, which enables it to go up in value if you know the underlying securities go up in value. And I know I'm talking about uh, my stock days and kind of bringing that lingo into it. So I apologize. But the idea of can the money earn money while it's serving as guarantee was a really valuable thing for us because it enables foundations to participate and structure it as a program-related investment. It enables um, our impact investors not to view this just as charitable, but as part of their normal investing activities. Um, and so, and we've already had you know really strong results as far as the the fund over the years that people have been invested into it. And for someone like Oryx, they can actually see on an hour-by-hour basis the value of the stocks and bonds that are backing their loans to these impact organizations. And that's really cool for a company to have access to that. And it changes the entire conversation. This could be something that could tap into like a corporate treasury program or a marketing budget. And that's really been our goal this whole time. We're not trying to replace corporate philanthropy. We're actually trying to tap into these other pools of capital that traditionally have sat on the sidelines from corporations. That's a really incredible model. And it's very, very unique. I mean, you definitely 
I mean, you're, you're almost you're doing a little bit of a hybrid between like impact investing as well as corporate social impact programming, which is I think really interesting. It seems to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but it seems to me like impact investing is kind of all the rage right now um, in the marketplace. You know, you've just seen so much more of that over the past five years, I would say. And, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Impact investing is, is all the rage right now as a term. And I think what we've seen is there's not a whole lot in the middle of impact investing. There's kind of ESG investing, which is, you know, aligning your 401k. Yeah, totally. You have sort of this venture philanthropy, which is, you know, investing in startups and all that. But in the middle of being able to meaningfully deploy capital in a way that you can understand the risk of that, but also try to earn a return without tying up your money for 10, 15, 20 years. There's not a lot of opportunities there. And so we really saw a a neat way that we could use the cycle program to enable impact investors to earn a return, but still participate meaningfully in providing this capital to impact organizations. And the way that we structured it is the loans from the corporations to the impact organizations are interest-free. And that means that the maximum amount of impact gets to happen through the model. And the corporations, even though they're not getting a direct financial return, they get to tell that story and they get to participate and they're taking zero risk. So it's kind of a a model that aligns all the incentives for everyone that's involved. That's fascinating. Well, you've mentioned, you've referred to Oryx now a couple of times. So do you want to circle back and tell us who Oryx is? Uh, It sounds like they helped you take your model to scale. (laughs) And so who who is Oryx and how did they help you? Probably probably one of the bigger companies that not many folks have heard of, um, at least in the mainstream. They're not a direct-to-consumer company. But they, their whole business model is built around, they provide cash and money and capital for other businesses to do what they need to do, whether it's acquiring another business or growing or purchasing real estate. And so they have expertise in a lot of different spaces and they have a lot of subsidiaries that work in kind of the financial world, which as I've already mentioned, is kind of where I grew up in. So I've known about Orgs from a long, for a long time, but I know that a lot of folks may not. And for us, this was a really neat partnership because the type of work that we were doing, you know, we're not doing anything super innovative in the sense of, you know, people have been giving loans to nonprofits for a long time. People have been using guarantees for a long time and corporations have been doing good in their communities for a long time. So none of that in and of itself was innovative. But the fact that we've brought them together in the way that we did was what we thought was kind of the unique aspect of it. And it did take a level of financial innovation to put all these pieces together. And so Oryx was a great partner for us to run this next iteration of a pilot at a bigger scale because this is their business. They like to be innovative in the way that they view capital. And so the type of language that we were using was right, right up their alley. And so that was a great partnership for us. Now, is that still in place, that partnership with Oryx? So it isn't mostly because the Oryx Foundation, which was our main group that we were working with, Oryx actually made the decision to sunset that foundation and to reanalyze the way that they wanted to do their corporate philanthropy. And they're still working through what that looks like. And we knew that going into it, we knew that there was a potential that their foundation was going to be sunsetting and they were going to be relooking at things. And we're not quite sure how the cycle fits into what that new Oryx 
strategy looks like from a, a corporate philanthropy perspective. But what we set out to do with Oryx, even knowing that a sunset was possible, was building the financial innovation infrastructure within the cycle program. And for that, it was mission accomplished because Oryx was an amazing partner in bringing some of the expertise, the legal expertise. I mean, this is not your simple uh here, let's just write one piece of paper and everything works. I mean, there's a lot of legal agreements, you know, being able to pledge securities and doing all these financial mechanisms that had to be put in place. And Oryx was such a willing partner to be a part of that within their community. And one of the reasons why they did that is they really wanted to build that infrastructure for other companies to follow. And coming into kind of this weird COVID era that we were into, it gave us the opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, we built this program that we're pretty excited about, this cycle program. And what's one of the things that we can do to kind of grow and scale this? And the big thing for us now is we really see the opportunity to work with a corporation that's uh, a built-in storyteller is we really see an opportunity to say, okay, this is a unique way for corporations to support their communities. Let's find a corporation who wants to kind of take this on the road, if you will, um, and bring this to places where we can share the story, share the infrastructure, and start building not just a program, but more of a movement, if you will. And having the cycle program serve as a foundation within that movement, you know, similar to the way that Patagonia and REI were for 1% for the planet or Whole Foods was for conscious capitalism. We see a real opportunity to work with, with a large storytelling corporation as far as the next evolution of good returns goes. And so we want to be very strategic in who that partner is um, and be able to continue to build not just the financial infrastructure, but also the storytelling and corporate business objective aligned infrastructure as well. Sounds like you've got a bunch of different pieces going on. Do you have kind of one thing or one tidbit that you wish you would have known before you started this program or when you go into partnering with corporations in the future, what would you tell yourself? I would say one of the big benefits that I, I maybe knew about a little bit, but I didn't fully understand the value of it is when you work with a corporation versus uh, having just, let's say, a foundation provide this cycle capital or an individual donor or something like that is the power of the corporation serving as the megaphone and the platform for these impact causes. And I, I think for us, you know, we, we took our work with Oryx and we did a lot of things to plug the employees into it. But I think in our next iterations, what we really want to focus on is how do we use the company as a platform for the impact that's actually taking place? Because that has a whole series of impact measurement outputs that come along with it. And so being able to provide capital and financing does its own thing. It can, you know, amplify growth, things like that. But being able to share the story, especially with organizations that have hundreds of thousands of employees, hundreds of thousands of customers, you wouldn't believe just even a small sample size, the number of board of directors that come out of stuff like that, an increase in investment or donations to a company, purchasing of the product or service. And those all have a profound impact on, on what the impact organization is doing. And so we really want to focus in on, okay, corporations, the capital is one piece, but there's a whole nother piece where you are uniquely positioned to serve. And, and it aligns really well with their business objectives. 
Well, Kyle, this has been absolutely fascinating. What a unique model that you have created. Thank you so much for joining Ali and I um, for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. Where can people learn more about Good Returns Online if they'd like to do that? So it's www.goodreturns.org. And then from there, you can navigate around the menu. Uh, There's a specific page that goes just into the cycle. So if you're interested in learning more about that. And of course, there's a contact page. So if you want to learn more, um, feel free to fill out a form and our team will, will get back to you as soon as we can. Amazing. And we will put all of those in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Well, thanks again, Kyle. It was such a pleasure to have you on today. And on behalf of Ali and Kyle and myself, I'd like to thank all of you listeners for tuning in today. 